today, since we're starting a brand new year together, and since we are working with this new theme called Greater, today, the message I'm here to share with you is about stepping into the greater version of yourself that God wants to come out of you this coming year. And we're going to look at a man, one man, who had a greater experience of Jesus. And because he had a greater experience of Jesus, he stepped into a greater version of himself. Let's look at Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Could you read it with me in a big, loud voice together with me? Just read it out loud. One, two, three, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. You know, sometimes when I read scripture, I find that I have to read it not just once, but a few times over. And I just want to read verses 1 to 4 with you one more time and just break down a few things about that that you need to know today. Verse 1 says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. See, at the height of Jesus' popularity, at the climax of Jesus' ministry as a public figure, as a speaker, as a teacher, as a healer, he was passing through a town called Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, where just in a few days he would be arrested, he would be tried upon charges that he didn't that he didn't commit he would be convicted he would be crucified he would be killed he would be buried but then on the third day he would rise again and so this is just a few days before Jesus is going to the cross and see this says in verse 2 a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus everyone say Zacchaeus See, Zacchaeus, who was he? He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. See, tax collectors back in the day weren't supposed to be wealthy. For example, if you work for CRA, that's not necessarily like a, a, a formula for, you know, making it on the Forbes 100 list, of, if, if, if you know what I'm talking. Is that when you work in a tax collection agency, that's not supposed to be a way for you to profit immensely and to make a huge, huge fortune. But for Zacchaeus... That happened, and you know why? It's because, like many other tax collectors before him, Zacchaeus wasn't all that honest all the time. Is that he would go to different people and say, hey, uh, Loretta, I think you owe the Roman government about $400, uh, and when in fact she only owed $200. She'd take, he'd take the $400, he'd give the $200 to the Roman government, he'd pocket the rest, and that's how he made his fortune. He wasn't just any tax collector, he was the chief tax collector, and he was working for the government. As a result, he didn't have a very good reputation. See, who was Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector, he was wealthy, but see, how many of you guys know this? Though he was someone with wealth, though he had more material possessions than most people, he also felt empty on the inside. See, Zacchaeus, I don't know if you know this, but his name means righteous. 
His name means pure one. But at that time in his life, he did not feel righteous or pure at all. In fact, despite all of the wealth that he had, his relationships with others was a mess. His relationship with God was virtually non-existent. And when he hears about Jesus, he thinks to himself, maybe this Jesus guy has something that I'm missing. And one of the big lessons from Zacchaeus' story is that you can have fame, you can have wealth, but if you are not in a right relationship with God, and if your relationships with people are not healthy, life will always be missing the most important part. Is that you will always feel like something is missing. You always feel like something is empty. Zacchaeus thought maybe Jesus would provide an answer to the questions he was asking. So look at verse 3. It says, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus is eager to see who Jesus is. He's never met him before. He's passing through his town. But so many people are crowding to find Jesus and look at Jesus. And because he's kind of short. He's a little bit vertically challenged. He can't really see over people's shoulders. He can't really see through people's legs. And so he decides, you know, I'm going to run ahead. I'm going to anticipate the situation and I'm going to climb a tree. I'm not going to climb this, but I'm going to climb a tree. I'm going to find a way to see Jesus. And that is what he did. You know, let me ask you this question. Have you ever wanted something so badly that you had to climb something? Has that happened to you before? Let let me tell you this. This past uh, September 1st, Pastor Charlie and I, we celebrated our 15th year wedding anniversary. Yes. Oh, come on. Give God a big, big hand for that. That's right. 15 years. That, that means that Charlie and I, we got married when we were 13 years old. That's right. That's right. Because we're forever 28. I'm kidding. But here's the thing. Charlene, if you know her, you know that she is uh, just a tremendous girl. She's just a tremendous woman of God. Uh, You know, for as long as I've known her, she's always very easygoing. She's low maintenance. She's just an amazing partner in my life. And when Charlene was pregnant with our first child, this was about six years ago, um, you know, how many years ago, she didn't have many cravings. Uh, we, we didn't go for any late-night drive-throughs to uh, McDonald's or, or, or do anything like that. We had basically almost no cravings, except for one craving. There was one morning when at 5 a.m., both of us were awake, happened to be awake, both of us, and I turned to Charlene. Her eyes were wide awake. I was like, Char, are you okay? And, Char, and, and, and she said, Jay, I'm craving something. I'm like, what are you craving? And she's like, I'm craving plums. I'm like, okay, no worries. The grocery store opens at 6 a.m. One hour from now, we're going to go to the grocery store. I'll get you some plums. And she's like, no, no, JB. I'm craving not just any plum. I'm craving a specific plum from a specific tree that grows in a specific park in our city. And I looked and go, what? What? What do you mean? And, and just turned out, unbeknownst to me, is that over the years, there was a girl in our church plant team uh, who every summer would go to this one specific tree in this one specific park in our city, and she'd climb that tree to get plums for Pastor Shar. I was like, wow, that's a really good friend of her. And, and, and you know, I thought to myself, you know what? That girl's not that athletic, you know? I, 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 I work out all the time, and, and I think I'm a lot more athletic than her. If she can do it, I can certainly do it. So I was like, you know, Shar, don't worry. Let's go. I'll climb that tree for you. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I was like, you know, anything for you, baby. You know, like, no, no, no mountains too high, no ocean too deep, 
You know, I would walk 500 miles. I'd take a grenade for you. I'd do any, I, 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 I was doing all that. And, 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 and so, so she takes, she's okay. And so we drive to the middle of this park. It's Garden City Park, if you're wondering. We go to Garden City Park. And it is pouring rain like it is this morning. And I, I'm thinking, okay, this is probably a pretty tiny tree, maybe this high or so. Because, you know, that girl who picks those plums, she's not very tall. You know, she, she, she mustn't climb very high. And then we get to the tree, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is a huge tree. This is an enormous tree. I have no idea how to climb this tree. And, and, and I looked at Shar and I looked at the tree. I thought, hey, Shar, I'm so sorry. I don't know if I can climb this tree. And, uh, and, and so you know what I wound up doing? Instead of climbing the tree, because I didn't want to hurt myself, I went to the car, I opened the trunk, I got a hula hoop. Don't ask me why I have a hula hoop in the back of my trunk. But I took that hula hoop and I started to throw the hula hoop up, hoping that somehow we catch a plum that way. But no no, no plum ever fell down. And, you know, we ended up going to save on foods later on that day. <laughs> Got an ordinary box of plums to satisfy Pastor Charlene's craving. And praise God, during our second pregnancy, uh, Charlene didn't crave plums anymore. <laughs> Why do I mention that silly story? It's because I've learned firsthand that when you are willing to climb something to get it, it means you really want it. It means you really want it. And see, Zacchaeus wanted so badly to see Jesus and he was a short man. He couldn't see over the crowd. He wanted so badly to see Jesus. He was willing to climb a tree to do it. He was willing to anticipate the situation, see where Jesus was going, measure out his trajectory, go around the crowd, and in slow motion, go to where he was going to be, climb the tree, and have a great view of Jesus. And what can we learn about that is this, and you write this down today, is if you want a greater experience of Jesus in your life, you need to be proactive in your relationship with God. Pro, I want to say proactive. See, because Jesus went out of his way, because Zacchaeus went out of his way in his relationship with Jesus, he experienced Jesus in a powerful way. This in turn caused Zacchaeus to step into the greater version of himself. And there's a word for this kind of attitude. It's called being proactive. What does it mean to be proactive? You can write this down. To be proactive is when I take initiative to do something in advance about a situation instead of simply reacting to that situation later. It's about saying, okay, I know something's going to come down the pipe. I'm going to do something about it now instead of reacting to it later on. That's what it means to be proactive. Wikipedia, in fact, defines proactivity as, and I don't trust everything Wikipedia says, but this is something that I like. It says that proactivity, or being proactive, is anticipatory, change-oriented, and self-initiated behavior. And so my question is this, since we're talking about being proactive in your relationship with God, being proactive in life, let me ask you this question today. How proactive are you? See, when you think about the way you plan, whether it's planning the years ahead or even planning today, when you think about how you work in your office or at your company, when you think about how you study, when you think about your relationships, when you think about your health, when you think about your relationship with God, how proactive are you? See, being proactive in any of these areas, I find, makes such a huge positive difference. It reduces stress. It makes you feel more effective. You can do more and usually be able to accomplish more as a result. And so, for example, I find that how much sweeter would our homes be if we were all a little bit more proactive about thanking one another and serving one another. Amen. Amen. How much sweeter our homes would be if we're just a bit more proactive in, you know, serving one another, 
in apologizing when we make mistakes, in thanking one another when people do something good for us? How much stronger would our teams at work or at school or at church be if we were just a little more proactive in coming up with solutions to problems that we see? How much greater your relationships would be if you would be a bit more proactive in blessing and encouraging the people around you instead of speaking negative words? And how much greater your relationship with God would be if you were more proactive in experiencing Jesus? If you believe that, say amen. You know, I've been going to church all my life, since I was in the womb. You know, my parents, uh, they met in church. My dad was a choir conductor. My mom was a choir pianist. One day they decided to make beautiful music together, and I was the result of that beautiful music. And see, for, fi- for 15 years of going to church, I was very passive in the way that I worship God. I went to church because it was the family thing to do. I went to church because it was my parents' faith, not my own faith. You know, I remember I'd be sitting in children's ministry or Sunday school, as they'd call it, and the leader would tell us to sit, and we'd sit. The leader would tell us to stand, and we'd stand. The leader would tell us to sing, and I would stand. I wouldn't sing. And one day, I remember the leader got so frustrated with me because I always had my arms folded, sitting in the back, not singing at all, And he said, J.B. Lim, you think it is so easy to do this? You come up and do this right now. And so I think he thought he was trying to scare me. But for some reason, in my bold, prideful, rebellious, uh, you know, nature at that time, I went up to the front and uh, I just channeled my inner pastoral voice or my inner Chinese pastor voice, if you want to call it that, which is, you know, something else. And, 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 And I just kind of, I just kind of do it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It doesn't have to be in tune, it just has to vibrate, okay? And, and, and see, here's the thing. When I was 15 years old, that was the way that I dealt with church. It was, just, it was my parents' faith, it wasn't my faith. It was something I did because my family did it. I, it didn't very, mean very much to me. I was extremely passive in the way that I worshiped God. To the point where I don't even remember the day when I received Jesus into my life. I believed it. I believed that Jesus died on my cross my sins. I believed that he rose again from the grave. I believed that in him I had eternal life. But I never, I don't, I don't even remember that moment when I actually prayed the prayer to do so. I'm sure I probably did. But I was so passive about my relationship with God. I don't even remember what that day was. But you know what happened was when I was 15 years old, I decided to do something. It was my first proactive step in my relationship with God. It was when I decided to get baptized. And baptism, don't get me wrong, it's not some graduation. It's not this, you know, big thing where you're all of a sudden saying, ah, you're a perfect Christian, you're an angel on earth. No, it's simply saying, I need a savior. His name is Jesus. And I knew that. And so I decided I'm going to get baptized. I was still really immature. In fact, on the day of my baptism at 15 years old, you know what I did? When I walked into the baptism pool, I had a diving mask on. I did. I did. And it wasn't to make a mockery of it. It was just kind of to, just to have fun, but I took it off before the baptism because in my heart, there was a proactive step happening in my heart, which is I want to say that I believe in Jesus. And for some reason, for some reason, after that point, after I got, you know, got to do that one proactive step in my relationship with God, it's all of a sudden like a ball started rolling. And I, I started to have my own daily time with God. I started to read the Bible a lot more on my own. I started memorizing scripture a little bit on my own. And, you know, I find I'm growing in my relationship with God. I'm sensing more of the presence of God. I've got more joy in my heart. I've got more hope about tomorrow. I'm more confident in front of people. I can love people a lot better than I used to. And I have this heart for God that I didn't have before. I remember even being in a very traditional, conservative church, great, amazing church, but very traditional, and it was one of those ones where, you know, people would, you know, they, they, when they worship God, when they sing songs, they'd be like this, little hands in the pocket, or hands folded, I will build my life upon, 
And, and in, that, in that time, I just had this urge to say, you know what? The Bible says, lift your hands in the sanctuary. I thought to myself, would it be weird if I lifted my hands right now? Would it be weird if I just kind of went a little bit like this? Or maybe even like this? Or maybe even like this? I remember there was even one time when, when I just kind of I just stood up and I just started worshiping God that way. And, and it was one of those things where it, was, it got to the point where the more proactive I was, the more I started to sense the presence of God in my life. The more proactive I was, the more I found myself growing in my relationship with Jesus. What happened? God's love for me didn't change. God's love for me had always been the same. What happened? The church I attended didn't change. It had always been as awesome as it was. What changed was that I became proactive. What changed was my attitude. When I moved from being this passive spectator in church to a proactive participant in church, I had a greater experience of Jesus. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. It's about being proactive. Turn over and say, be proactive. And so it's with that in mind that I want to tell you, I want to encourage you today, as we begin a brand new year together here at Thrive, how can you be more proactive in your relationship with God and have a greater experience of Jesus in your life? Well, here's number one, is be more proactive in the way you worship with your church. Be more proactive. Take initiative. And see, what you, today you're maybe here for the first time, and, 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 and that is awesome. We are so amazed and excited that you're here. We hope you'll come again. For those of you who've been here before, I want to tell you this, is don't just make Sunday your priority. Don't just say, okay, Sunday is my church time. But it also matters what you do when you're here. Amen. Is that it's not just about, oh, I, I showed up today, but it's also about what you do when you get through the doors. See, here's the thing, is I've been trying to tell you guys that, you know what, one of the best ways you can open up your heart to God, one of the best ways you can apply and take ownership of whatever is being prayed over you, whatever's being preached to you, is to say the word amen. Everyone say Amen. Amen. Amen simply means I agree. And some, some of you, if it's too old school for you, you can say yeah or yes or whatever it may be. But it's about voicing. It's about voicing agreement. It's about voicing your affirmation. It's about voicing your response. Because something happens when you voice your response. Yes, on one hand, it encourages the people on the stage. Sure, it does. That's good. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing to encourage your pastor. Amen. Amen. Turn your and say, I want to encourage my pastor. Amen? That it's not just that, though. And it's also not just that when you say amen, you build an atmosphere of faith around you. It's not just that either. The fact is this. When you say amen, you encourage the people on the stage. You encourage the people around you. You build an atmosphere of faith where we believe all things are possible. But even more, even if those were not in the equation, when you say amen, when you open up your heart to God that way, something happens in you. Something happens in you. You start taking ownership of it. You start going from, oh, just what are you going to talk about now? Oh, what's, what's so long? What's, oh, what are we going to have for lunch? Oh, let me look at my phone. Instead of that, you go from going on the, just kind of sitting laid back to being on the edge of your seat. And you go, okay. Let's do this. All right. Let's be proactive. It's almost like with the space that God has given you, you can choose to either be super laid back and passive, and you're not going to have any experience of God or very little, or you can sit on the edge of your seat. You can take good notes. You can say, God, yes, I believe that. Amen to that. When you do that, what happens is you change from the inside out. If you believe that, say amen. And so that's why I've been telling you, church, over the past little while, is that I might still say from time to time, but don't wait for me to say, if you believe that, say amen, before you say amen. When you hear anything that is preached on this stage, when you hear anything that's being prayed over you, whether it's in private or in public, you can say, 
You can say amen. You can say it because you're taking ownership of it. You're opening up your heart. You're being proactive. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be proactive. See, don't wait for the crowd. See, Zacchaeus didn't wait for the crowd. If he waited for the crowd, he would have missed Jesus. And so maybe the people around you, or maybe the people you live with, or maybe the culture you came from, or maybe your friends, maybe they're not all that hot for God right now. Maybe they're just kind of passive and kind of lazy. So you, want, you don't have to let the crowd limit you, amen? What you can do is you can be proactive. Don't just go, oh, uh, I'll pray if my neighbor prays. Or uh, I'll lift my hands if my neighbor lifts his hands. Or I'll sign up if my neighbor signs up. It, why, why let your destiny and your experience of God be determined by someone other than you? Amen. See, maybe you live in a culture or in a home or in a background where it was always very passive. You didn't really respond. It was all just more just like, it was all coming this way. It was always one way. Here at Thrive Church, we're about responding to God. Here at church, we're about saying we're going to be proactive in the way that we respond to God and worship Jesus. And you might think, oh, but if I say amen, well, I don't want to make people feel awkward around me. You know, I don't want people to think I'm the super spiritual person because I'm not. Don't worry about that. Turn over and say, don't worry about that. Because the fact is this. You're not boasting when you say amen. In fact, I'll tell you this, the truth. It takes more humility to say amen out loud than it does to stay quiet. It does. It takes more humility to be a team player who wants to encourage the people around them than just kind of sit by yourself. And see, it's a humble thing to say amen because you're expressing your need for God. You're showing that you're part of a team that's not just about you. You're doing it not just to please people. You're doing it because you are opening your heart to God and being proactive in your relationship with God. And so we, can we be more proactive in this church? Amen. Amen. Don't wait for me to say, if you believe I say amen, you go ahead and say it because when you do, it changes you on the inside out. Turn neighbor and say, it's time to be proactive. And we're, we're going to work on it. We're going to work on it. We're going to get slowly better and better at it until I don't have to ever say, if you believe I say amen anymore. Okay, we're still working on it. Praise God. Turn neighbor, gonna have to, let, turn, turn neighbor gonna have and say, let's still work, let, let's keep working at it. Let's keep working. Be proactive. Be more proactive in the way you worship with your church because it's going to determine your experience of Jesus. Another way that you can be more proactive in your relationship with God that I want to tell you right now is take TDS2 starting September 26th. What is TDS2? TDS2 stands for Thrive Disciple School Level 2. This is our homemade program here at church where we have developed it to help people grow in their relationship with God. We're going to be running for five Wednesdays starting September 26th, and we've had people to go Go through this program for the past number of years and gotten amazing feedback. Here's this one person who said, TDS2 answered a lot of questions for me, especially regarding the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Also gave me a lot of helpful tips on growing my relationship with God and with other brothers and sisters at my church. After taking TDS2, I feel more confident and can't wait to apply what I've learned to my daily life. If you, give, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Here's another one. He says, uh, I was able to grow closer to God by applying the lessons of TDS2 that I learned to my daily life. I was able to witness the power of tithing in my own life as God provided for me when I decided to give my first 10% to him. Yeah, you should probably be saying amen to that right now as well. Yeah. Uh, here's another one. It says, through TDS2, I was able to grow closer to God by applying the lessons that I learned in TDS2, uh, and so I'm so grateful to him. So praise God. And you know, it's going to be starting in just 
couple or less than a couple weeks from now, a week and a half from now, it's not too late to register. In fact, we're going to make registration forms available to you at the end of the service. You can register at mythrive.info, uh, and it costs $30. And you might be wondering, why do we charge for it? It's because, well, in part, it's to defray some of the costs that come with running that course. But even more, what happens is when, I find this, is when you pay for something, you take ownership of it. Don't you find that? Is that when something's just given to you for free, you kind of just, oh, I can have it or can, I, I, can, I, I can do or do, do with it or do without it. You, know, you kind of take it for granted a little bit more. When you pay for something, it's almost like you've got a personal investment in there. And so we want to encourage you to not let the cost detract you from taking ownership of your relationship with God and be proactive because when you do, you will experience Jesus even more. Amen. See, God loves to bless those who are proactive about seeking him. And so this year, in 2018, 2019, let's not make any more excuses. Let's be proactive in our relationship with God. The best thing you can do this coming year is to be proactive in seeking Jesus. Don't just sit there and wait for growth to happen, because it won't. Instead, you run ahead of the crowd, and you be proactive, and you seek Jesus with all of your heart in 2018, 2019, and greater things will be yet to come. If you believe it, come on, give God a big hand here in this place right now. Amen. Amen. Praise God. How many of us know that clapping, shouting, amen, they all are in the same boat. And so I encourage you, don't wait for me to say, give God a big clap. When you hear something on the stage that's good that's going on, you clap to God and others will hear it. God will hear it. I will hear it. And we will grow as a church together. Yeah. Amen. Number two. If you want a greater experience of Jesus this year, come down from your tree and follow Jesus. Look at, read, look, look at Luke chapter 19, verse 5 and 6 with me. Verses 5 and 6, what do they say? Read with a big loud voice. One, two, three, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Stop right there. See what happened? is for a short time, Zacchaeus was on this tree, and for that short time, that tree was helpful. Was that tree helpful? It was helpful. It helped him to see Jesus from afar. From that tree, Zacchaeus could experience Jesus from a very cozy, comfortable distance away, hopefully without anyone noticing him or bothering him. And it was a very comfortable way to see Jesus. But let me tell you this. Jesus wanted something greater from Zacchaeus. See, Jesus didn't just want Zacchaeus to settle for being a spectator who kind of sits in the back or sits up high. But he said he, he wanted Zacchaeus to be a participant. And he wanted a relationship with Zacchaeus. And so if, if and, and that's why he says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Don't stay up there. Come down. Just get this. If Zacchaeus insisted on staying up there in that comfortable tree, he would have missed the greater things that Jesus wanted to do in his life. He would have remained a spectator instead of a participant. And so that's why Jesus tells him, come down immediately. Could it be that this coming year, 2018, 2019, God, Jesus, the Son of God, is encouraging you, inviting you, telling you, come down from your tree. Stop being a spectator and get involved. Stop being a spectator and get, get, take ownership of your relationship with God. Here's a question for you today. Is there a tree that you are hanging on to today that Jesus is saying to you today, saying, come down from that tree so you can experience me on a greater level. Is there a tree like that in your life? You know, for, for us this past year as a church, there was a tree like that in our lives. It was called being a church of one service. 
It was comfortable. Did we experience God? Yes, we experienced God. Did we see do God do great things? Yes, we saw great things, but it was comfortable. And we just really sensed that God wanted more from Thrive Church. We sensed that God wanted to do greater things through Thrive Church. And so we decided, you know what? We're going to do two services, even though we've never done it before. The one service was comfortable. The one service is what we'd always done. And, you know, it's, it's nice. It's big and full. And, and you, know, you know, we've got a full room. If we move to two services, what if we, you know, it's now, you know, it's, it's not full rooms either. And the atmosphere is different. We considered all those things. But we thought, you know what? God loves Vancouver. People need Jesus. Let's make that step and let's go to two services. And so that is what we did last year. And are we glad we did it? We are so glad that we did it. It's because when we came down from that tree called One Service, we saw God do even greater things than he's ever done before here at Thrive Church. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. It's about coming down from your tree. How about you, though? How about you? See, is there a tree that you are hanging on to today that is keeping you from experiencing God in a greater way? See, maybe that tree is called your comfort. Is that oh, you know, my life is really comfortable right now. I kind of like it that way. You know, I don't really want to serve. I don't really want to sacrifice, you know, my Wednesday night or, you know, my early Sunday morning. You know, I, I already work really hard. I've got kids. You know, it's tough. And, and, and maybe that tree called comfort is what you're hanging on to right now. And Jesus is saying, come down from that tree. Greater things are yet to come. Maybe that tree that you're hanging on to is called convenience. Oh, it's just so convenient for me to just kind of sleep in on a Sunday and just maybe catch the sermon online. Or, or like, you know, I'll just come when I feel like it. That's convenient. I'm used to doing that. And I believe Jesus is saying, stop hanging on to that tree because greater things are yet to come. Come down from that tree. Maybe that tree is called your plans. You have a certain plan for your life. And you're so focused on that plan, focused on padding that resume, focused on getting that career, going, you know, focused on that job job opportunity and you're knocking on all these doors and and you're just so folks that's your number one obsession right now and Jesus saying come down from that tree because I've got greater things for you and if you seek my kingdom first I'll add everything that you need see maybe the tree that you need to come down from that you're hanging on to is your past maybe it's a past hurt maybe it's a past experience maybe it's something where it's like you, you know you're just so used to the past and you're still living in the past that you can't make room for anything else and Jesus saying it's time to let go of that tree and come down because greater things are yet to come. See, maybe you come from a tradition that preached Jesus, but not so much the Holy Spirit, and you're very skeptical when, you know, anyone prays out loud, and no matter what language it is, or you're just kind of, just kind of like, oh, everything is so weird, and, and all that stuff. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is saying, hey, come down from that tree, because there's even more for you here, down here. See, maybe the tree that you're hanging on to is people. It's that maybe when you first came to throw there was a certain group of people that you would always spend time with and you were guys like best buds but seasons change people you know people move to different small groups or people move cities and people and, and you're like oh where where are my where are my spiritual soulmates where are they now oh no and and you're hanging on to that tree and Jesus is saying hello your best friend is right here come down from that tree because I've got greater things for you. Maybe that tree that you're hanging on to is called the tree of preconceived ideas. Like, you know, the Bible is full of myths. It's full of contradictions. Oh, interesting. Can you name a contradiction? Uh, oh, no, I don't really read the Bible because it's full of contradictions. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Let's think about that one. See, here's the thing. Is there a tree that you're hanging on to that is keeping you from the greater things that God wants to do in your life? See, here's the thing you're going to find about trees 
is that at first, trees are great. It holds you up. It gives you comfort. It makes life convenient. It helps you feel like you're in control. It might even help you see a little bit of Jesus from afar. But after Jesus calls you to something greater, that tree is no longer holding you up. It's holding you back. Amen. Is that all of a sudden, a tree could go from being very helpful for you and holding you up and helping you see Jesus from a distance, but then Jesus says, come down from that tree, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what? I don't maybe need this tree anymore. Maybe this tree is actually not holding me up. Maybe this tree is actually holding me back from the greater things that God wants to do in my life. And so if that's you in this place, I'm here to tell you today, it's time to let go of the tree. It's time to hang on to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let go of the tree. Come down from the tree and follow Jesus. You know, is this helpful in this place today? Is there a tree you're hanging on to? Let's read verse 5 to 10 together. Well, before I say that, let me just say this one thing. See, you will not grow or experience much of God at all this coming year if you're not willing to change. Is that if you are just going to insist on doing things, thinking things, feeling things, and being things that you've always been, you're never going to go anywhere beyond where you are right now. And you have to be willing to change. And so it's time to let go of the tree and grab hold of Jesus. Turn your neighbor and say, let go of that tree and grab hold of Jesus. Look at verse 5 to 10 with me, and we're going to end with this. Look at what in the big, loud voice. One, two, three, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Let me ask you this question. So Zacchaeus, he comes down from this tree after Jesus told him, Come down from this tree because today I need to stay at your house. And then as he's coming down the tree, He's walking Jesus to his house, and you can hear the people muttering, oh, what is Jesus doing? What's he doing with that guy? That guy, does, he, does, that guy have, does Jesus have any idea who that guy is? That guy's a tax collector. That guy's a sinner. What is he doing? And then Zacchaeus, he hears the muttering. Do you guys you know, have that feeling when, when you hear someone talking about you, although they're not talking to you? Yeah, and he, he feels that. And he's like, okay. And he talks to Jesus, but he's actually talking to everyone around him. He's like, look, Lord, okay. It, I, right now, half of my possessions, half of my assets, half of that, I'm going to give to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'm going to give them four times what I took from them. And then Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Now, let me ask this question today. What caused Jesus to say about Zacchaeus? Today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. What caused it? Was it the fact that Zacchaeus repented of two sins? Is that why? Is that why he's now this son of Abraham, this child of God? Is that why? That's not why. Get, let, let me put it to you this way. Zacchaeus sinned a lot more in, than those two ways. You and I have as well. 
and just by us trying to you know, deal with this one mistake and deal with this other mistake, don't make yourself think, don't be deluded into thinking, oh, I'm done, I'm good with God now. Because the fact is this, all of us have sinned in more ways than we can even imagine. It wasn't, it wasn't Zacchaeus' works that led Jesus to say, you are saved. It was Jesus' grace. It was Jesus going up way before that happened to the tree. And he says to Zacchaeus, while Zacchaeus is still in this tree that's holding him back, he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to stay at your house. What does it tell you? Is that God wants to have a relationship with you and it's not dependent on your performance. It's not dependent on what you have or have not done. He loves you simply because he loves you. That's the only reason. And so the reason why Jesus can speak to Zacchaeus and say, salvation has come to this house is because literally Jesus, who is salvation, is walking into the house of Zacchaeus. Because Zacchaeus opened the door to Jesus, opened the door of his life to Jesus, and as a result, salvation came in. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. It wasn't Zacchaeus' good works that brought him salvation. It wasn't because Zacchaeus dealt with those two things because there's so much more he would need to deal with, too much for him to do. Instead, it was because Jesus showed him grace. He showed him what he didn't deserve. You know, I, I can tell you this, is that we talked about this tree, and let me just end with this thought, is that this tree that Zacchaeus was climbing, that tree doesn't just represent your plans, your convenience, your comfort, you know, it, it also represents our effort, our futile effort to reach God on our own. When we climb that tree, the best we can do is see God far, 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 far away. That's all we can see. It's only when we come down from our tree in response to Jesus' invitation, that's when we see Jesus face to face. Amen. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Zacchaeus, he would eventually get down from that tree because a few days later, Jesus would get up on a tree. And he'd get up on a tree, not because he had all these hang-ups, but because we did. And so he died on the cross, hanging on the cross, hanging on a tree for us. He died on the cross for our sins. Not just that, he was buried and he rose again to show that not any one or the cumulative sum of all your mistakes could ever get in the way of God's incredible, unfailing, unlimited love for you. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. Turn your neighbor and say, Jesus is amazing. Jesus is amazing. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. You're going to find this is that when you're proactive about seeking Jesus, when you come down from your tree, you're going to find at the end of it all that it wasn't so much that you were looking for Jesus. It was that Jesus was looking for you. Jesus wasn't just passing by Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus was headed straight to Zacchaeus' house. And the same way, Jesus is not passing by your life in 2018, 2019. Jesus is coming straight for you in 2018, 2019. Because the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
what was lost. Come on, give Jesus some praise in this place. Am I the only one here who wants to stand up and give God some praise? Why don't you stand up and praise Jesus today? Come on, give God a big hand. Give God a big shout. He's worthy of praise. Turn your neighbor on your right and your left in front of you, behind you. Give him a high five and say, greater things are yet to come because of Jesus. Today we've been talking about no one else but Jesus. That there was no one greater than him that you are here today, but it's actually not because you're looking for Jesus. It's because Jesus is looking for you. And the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We believe that to the core of our being here at Thrive Church, is that God made you for relationship with him so much so that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, to rise again, to show that neither death nor sin have any hold over him, that those who place their trust in Jesus have eternal life. Those who place their trust in Jesus are forgiven of their sins. Those who place their trust in Jesus have hope for tomorrow. Those who place their trust in Jesus have a power that is greater than anything else that they'll ever face in life. And if that's you today and you realize you need Jesus, you want to receive him into your life, you want to be forgiven of your sins, then I'm just going to invite you right now to pray this prayer. And I'm going to invite you as you're praying this prayer as an expression of your need for Jesus, why don't you lift your hand to God right now? Why don't you lift your hand to God right now? Don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. This is you being proactive. This is you saying, God, I don't care what one neighbor's saying. I don't care what my neighbor's doing. I'm just going to pray this prayer right now because I need it. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I don't care what anyone else says. I open up my heart. Say, please come in. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. Thank you for loving me. Today, I open up my heart and ask you to be my savior and my king. Because of you, I am a child of God and the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. If you pray that prayer from your heart, the Bible says you're forgiven of your sins, you're a child of God, you're a citizen of heaven and the best is yet to come. We encourage you to let you, let someone know about your decision and uh, let us know. We'd love to encourage you in this brand new relationship with God.